welcome, welcome, welcome to my lovely IHP community and all of those looking to build relationships with those of us who are functional adults, polysecure, solo polyamory, mystics, 5D, all in none. If you're a monoamory person or a monogamous person, you're welcome, of course. Maybe you're curious. So the first thing is a solo polyamorous person is essentially a person who has personal agency for their self. They are not couple-centric. And we are open to non-hierarchical relationships and relationship anarchy in and of itself. Because, you know, basically societal hierarchies on how our sexual and romantic or just all of those relationships, uh, we're not in favor of those. So hierarchies and relationships is quite lacking the word love since our mammalian heritage is us in a state of love when we're in our ventral vagal state. And a 5D mystic enlightenment functional adult is a person who's a safe haven in their own body and their own secure base. And it's an embodied brain. So that means we're able to, in fact, regulate our nervous system as a safe haven. So I can, in moments of distress, regulate my nervous system. And then I can help others co-regulate with me, of course. I also know how to be my own launching pad for my interests, personal development, and be that for others. So we build secure connections. We build what we want to build. And those who are also functional adults are not actually people who have questions about this. The only ones who have questions are the ones who are curious. The only ones who don't understand it are the ones who think of intimacy and love as only one person, and that's not in our agreement for the polyamory community, okay? So ancient texts are not part of our book. We understand the ancient texts and the silverbacks and people who want to use the story of devil and evil and demons. They even use it with people who have trauma, and that's very sad, and we're actually educated people. And that's through a lot of education and open-mindedness. And we do not find it open-minded uh, with our heads out of our asses because we're open to new forms of family, household, and love and lifestyle. We actually find it quite normal and it's abnormal in our book that people want to live the ancient times and, uh, you know, again, Scarlet Letter or whatnot, or whatnot. 4D community is out there for people who don't understand how to live in the unconditionally loving spaces of today. And that's because 4D talks to you about your oversoul as energy vampires, dark auras. They tell you to cut cords. They tell you that you lose people when you're going through dark night of soul, ego, death, that you're going to isolate yourself. That's not even remotely true. Isolation means that you're not out of your shame cycle. Mm -mm -mm. It's not a positive to isolate. Your mammalian heritage is to be with people. So on that note, functional adults understand how to appreciate each other, how to have direct communication with each other, and how to allow ourselves to know when we are dealing with people who are not securely attached, to talk to them. Okay, so on that note, for my polyamory community, if you're poly secure, then you're pretty good at handling anything that comes your way so you don't get offended if somebody 
you know, demon child, I'm a mystic, go, go imagine that, and a Reiki practitioner. So I haven't had that happen to me just yet, but it might. And the reality is we care about our immediate oversoul. So the relationships you're building, right? This is the society. When does shame come about? Shame is a feeling for anyone who's securely attached. It's not overwhelming and it doesn't lead us to be reactive. Those who have healed from childhood trauma, I know for you all, it's a little bit more of a challenge still, but that's why with our relationships, we get to build a safe haven, secure base for each other to navigate how not to project. We talked about that in one of the episodes today, because I think this one's going to go live with uh, following the one where I share with you some of Patrick Tehan's stuff. And on that note, for, again, the person who is mature with their own healthy self-worth since the get-go of being a kid grown up, you don't have the feeling of, I'm ashamed. You can have heartbreak because you get rejected and not accepted. That's obvious. You can get scared. So we get scared. When I've talked about my polyamory status with the people who mattered, it was actually only one of the chit-chats that I had was I quote-unquote scared and what I mean by that was vulnerable and aware that I might not be accepted because of me having many lovers loves and so this ethical non-monogamous situation but I also was grown up enough to know that that's normal and actually grown up enough to know that's because of a person mattering okay so it's not actually weak or abnormal to be afraid that you will not be accepted for being polyamorous. It's actually a truth. Now, the securely attached person, again, doesn't go off their rockers and be like, oh my gosh, I might not be accepted. You're so horrible. You need to accept me. No, if you don't accept me, I can learn how to be proud to be me. And actually, I'm already proud to be me. Otherwise, you know, you wouldn't accept who you are. And that's why there's no shame, inner critic or outer critic in that sense. There's a feeling of, I'm afraid of not being accepted. So when I used that word before shame, it's because it's our societal emotion. And so in this case, if you're embarrassed, it's because, again, it's an interaction with people you care. And so there's a level of pressure, the word that I prefer using versus shame, because people who have shame cycles, they criticize themselves and they criticize others. For a person who's a securely attached person, I didn't criticize the response to my polyamory status. I understood it, and the emotions that arose were only normal for me because I'm the one who is the quote-unquote oddball, right? Okay, so dismantling social hierarchical relationship statuses is of course going to be presenting to a person something different that they will not in a mononormative world feel or think of as even though you know what's hilarious is that people do have sex with more than one person and that's not in my case I'm a great a grace but um that's where it's also fascinating because people are very much open to having just objectifying because see to me it's you're just objectifying each other as objects and there's an energetic exchange so there's still like stuff happening in fact if you're mystic I don't advise that you actually have too much with too many different people because you need time to process whatever you're going to perceive you're 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 actually creating 
a connection that is going to persist in time with another human being. And that can mean that you pick up on whatever they're going through. Doesn't mean they'll be aware of it. No, in fact, some people will basically think of those of us who are people who have clairs as uh, ones who make up shit. We don't make up shit. We pick up shit. It's two different things, but that's where if a person doesn't have their subconscious and conscious, their child parts, they're in a world in their forefront. They're not picking up shit about their body. No, no, we are though. So while they're pretending in their left mode that everything's okay, their right mode is active with their trauma memory, with their dysregulated nervous system, their heartbreak, gut wrench, their frustration, their anger, all of those child parts you will be able to perceive. I'm a 5D mystic, not a 4D one. These are not energy vampires. These are not people who need to be cut. This is where if you sleep with someone, you better know that you are, if you're mystic, going to have connecting because it's, I forget how they call it, but your energy, their energy. So when I saw this one card, this tarot card about people using the word sex, sexual healing, I'm like, what the fuck? Okay, now you're creating not only something that is bullshit because you don't heal a person just because you can perceive somebody's unconscious subconscious does not mean that healing is taking place because the only way healing takes place is if a person takes their own self and they say wait a minute i'm not feeling better every day of my life i still have human suffering in my body let me go find a good therapist because i want to figure this out and really it's going to be straightforward if you had a scary household and you therefore will have had childhood developmental trauma it's not hard. There's good information now. But, you know, if you want bad information, there's also that. And there you go. The 4D mystics cutting cords, making up shit about you needing to isolate or going to go through isolation. It's a, a lot of things from perspectives of adaptive children who don't know they are. So let me put that to the side and move back into our conversation. What I was trying to say is when it comes to physical interactions for mystics, it's not about protection. It's about understanding we're all nervous systems and if you're sensitive to energy the sphere of it and you're a person with clairs yeah you're going to add to your energy body which means you're going to process more it also means that you're going to be aware of when shit hits the fan or something like that but that doesn't mean it's actually happening like i said in the life of people because it's only something from the depths of them that if they don't have a intimate relationship with their own self they won't know anything about and on that note, that's why we learn in time, those of us who have an oversoul, how not to talk about our feelings when dreams or perceptions and all that comes up. We only <clears throat> keep an open voice to those who are actually appreciative of us, and they will usually, in fact, expand us when we're talking to them. And that doesn't mean we have to have had any physical contact, actually. Some of my most amazing relationships... We don't, uh, we didn't have any physical contact. It's a long distance thing, you know, and it's beautiful to be able to know that you can positively support each other from afar and be appreciated and to continue to grow together because of appreciating each other's different personalities independently from if you move into the same soul age group, for example, or into the same arena whether it be polyamory or secure attachment or not some people they stayed avoidant or anxious or with the disorganized that's unfortunate but that 
is something when people don't do good therapy, they don't care to increase their energy levels, they're going to live a life that is only half full because they don't know about their attachment system and they don't know about how their emotions run. So on that note, anyone who is tuning in, these are food for thought, these are experiences, subjective, and then there's the pseudo, it's not pseudoscience, but I bring together spirituality, spiritual, and human elements. The trauma attachment, it's not pseudoscience, it's very scientific from the people who I'm learning from, but I allow myself to tease with the pseudoscience label because I bring to you different disciplines. And that's where those empirical people, which really they're just left-brainers. Because a person who's open-minded is going to hear everything. They're not going to chit-chat while you're talking. And they're going to get the gist of it, and that's okay, because that's what a functional adult knows how to do. It's a person, they express their opinion, that's it. It's a subjective opinion. They're not going to make a big deal out of it. And here is where anytime you meet people who make a big deal out of your polyamory status, just leave it alone. Don't even bother. But if instead they're intrigued or they're curious, then, you know, expand, converse. Now, I like to talk in all cases, me personally, but I don't have a sensitive ego like that, meaning I know how to handle quote-unquote rejection. So as I was saying, being vulnerable is something very straightforward. And actually, if you are a person who's a 5D mystic, you will not ever say no to love, ever. This is one of the things, because we don't have a trust break. We have a whole three-year-old heart. And that's because one way, shape, or form you maintained or you got back. Again, some of you will have gotten back your three-year-old, but some of us just maintained our our connection to Purusha Prakriti, because we chose to stay with our heart bodies and our value bodies in alignment. And that's by choosing. I won't close my heart because people don't know how to love unconditionally. And while as a teenager, I didn't have the word polyamory, I could have used it easily and it would have been ideal for my first teenage sweetheart love. But on that note when we go back and look, the, look at things in perspective, because we do live in a mononormative world, the idea that you can romantically love more than one person and so that you can have more than one special bond is not one that is given to us. Okay, so for all of you, I don't know your story. My story is that once I got a hold of one twin flame, I was like, wow, okay, this is a special bond. But by the time I got to my three twin flames, I was like, okay. And really, it was by the second that I was dismantling the entirety of that word love and romance. And one of my friends, he didn't really get how I was exploring it. But that's because people that are not looking at life as emotional, they, they always think of emotions as if it's something bad. And, and, and here's why people... Take a step back and let me share. If you have a window of welcome to emotions, it means that you don't think of sadness or anger or happiness, any of the emotions, as bad. I learned to get out of using the word bad and good with emotions because I was exploring my own emotions and I was like, wait a minute, Maria, you're equating sadness to something bad. It's not bad. Why would you use bad? These are emotions. Okay, so from the external, I already can tell you that when we look at our lovely mental health professionals, they would call all of what I get to describe to you as post-traumatic growth because they would talk about traumatic growth happening. But they also, if they're the good therapists, 
say that it's not for them to define because trauma is only when it's something that overwhelms your nervous system. That means that it's too much, too soon, too fast, and so that you're going to be in a safety behavior response, and that will manifest itself. So a person will feel if they have trauma memory and if they have traumatic experiences, which is why for those of us who have maintained our Purusha Prakriti stance, we don't feel trauma with emotions, but it's different for those who do human suffering. And they do post-traumatic growth. And I'm just presenting this because there's always going to be two equations. There's going to be the group of people that came out of their own lack of trust in humanity and therefore their sense of feeling the heartbroken three-year-old. I'm not safe to be me. And I don't have people showing up for me the way I show up for them. Okay, so those people, they first go through a journey and then they regain their wholeness and then they can accept to love freely whether polyamory or not love freely means i don't need you to do things for me i'm my own safe haven secure base this is a securely attached person okay getting here is the choice of a person who wants to be their self like a functional adult and then to create secure connections and not necessarily secure attachment relationships now secure connections are people who you don't have to regularly contact or be in touch with, okay? So you reach out when the moment arises. It's just random. It's not something that you have to build, okay? So you create secure bonds, and you're here for each other, but not necessarily consistently for emergencies or whatnot. That already, when it is about emergencies, you're building something with those people. They don't have to be secure attachments necessarily, but you would equate, okay, we're going to share these types of responsibilities together. And that is a way that you can understand what functional language like with attachment people. It's not mathematical, not so we really set anything in stone. It is something that is a verb. It's changeable, like our states of self. And once you are the adult self of you, this is why your charged parts, your child parts, they're no longer charged. And you can handle engaging in those relationships with all of those data, story, emotion. And okay, here's where we're at. Building your ten of pentacles from the high. You're not reparenting you. You are the adult you. When I get people who tease me about polyamory, they, they ask sometimes about the sexual stuff. Sometimes they don't. And I still don't have a way that I get to express it in um, what I think other people would expect it to be, but that's where it's not for the other people. It's more of getting a handle on how to talk about a journey, which is really not just a journey. It's a way of many, as I was saying, twin flames. They're, they're all different. They're all loved equally. The love is the same, like for the entire oversoul, which is why for any person who's Again, polyamory with this, it's the embodiment of loving many, but it doesn't have to involve romance. In fact, it's not necessarily romantic or sexual. It's just that all of our relationships are going to be prioritized. We only have 24 hours, though, so that's why your time is what you're going to be able to allocate. And then it's based on if they want to be a part of your life as a safe haven and secure base or only one or the other. And so some people... 
especially if they're not emotionally secure. They cannot be your safe haven. They cannot be there for you when you're in distress with your nervous system because they don't know how to self-regulate their own nervous system to maintain the enlightenment vibration, which is a integrated brain and a restorative embodied self. It's only when you get a complete, securely attached, functional adult person that you'll find the person who has compassion in the forefront and heart. So they have an ear and an eye more than they have a body that is present. They're not making shit up from the bottom up or top down. They're there with you. They're attuning to your nervous system. They're not afraid of it. And so they then go and move into, let me resonate. What's the deal? What's going on? And in fact, actually, let me see if I can find the other acronym. So Daniel Siegel is great with acronyms. Here we have part, present, attuning, resonating, and trusting. But we also have the acronym of connection, openness, awareness, and love. That's coal. And this is what actually takes place when you are building safe relationships. You're participating and you are also, you can't say coaling, but... There's connection, openness, awareness, and love, and you are able to be open to the different possibilities of what the conversation is going to be about. And in this case, as I was saying, if a person cannot actually work with their own self, they won't be able to soothe another person. And if a person is instead in a codependent type nervous system, which means there's a dysregulated nervous system and there's an adaptive child, what you're going to get is a person who feels under pressure and as if it's their duty to take care of you, one, or as if they're superior to you and they need to change you, two. And that's where it's neither or. If you get a person who's anxious, they're going to be preoccupied and basically because you have other partners that you love, they won't be able to sleep at night. Right? They're going to need reassurance, but they might not ask. They might attack your personality or your character. If there's even more of an inner conflict going on within them, they're going to make up stories as they're sleeping or as they're going to sleep and thinking about you having partners. So that's going to drive them a little bit, you know. And if they don't know how to talk about it, they might go avoidant then. They switch to, oh, you know what, I can find better. Let me leave it. This is too much pressure because you can have a person who then goes into dissociative aspects, depersonalization, derealization. If they have not seen their own codependent type household, they don't know they're gaslighting themselves. They don't know they've been gaslit. They don't know about their passive aggressive and why they're doing these things in a way of being self-aware. They can know only after the fact, and that's where it's based on basically meeting healthy self-worth people, so securely attached people and how they treat people versus those who are not yet functional adults. So again, a functional adult is a securely attached person, which is why 5D mystic enlightenment is not necessarily part of their lingo, but they will be compassion-driven always, not sometimes. If they're fully on board with the integrated brain and the restorative embodied self, it means they're healed, but this is the part you're not really healed. You just returned home to yourself, your true self. Some never left that home. And that's why we don't feel in any way, shape, or form unlovable. So when I have shared about the polyamory status, just because it's not necessarily welcomed did not equate I'm unlovable no I already knew that my way of loving since I was a teenager I've known this is different than others 
because I don't close love up in one person. That's objectifying it. <laughs> in fact, the first person that understood the way I loved, his name is Eric Fromm. He's a psychologist, and he talks about the art of loving, and he spells out love is a verb. It's something you always feel, not just sometimes. If you're objectifying it, means you're putting it in one person. That ain't love. And today with Stephen Porges and the polyvagal theory, we also know love is our human nature because it's our mammalian heritage response. When you are an integrated brain, you are in your mammalian heritage response. And the oxytocin gene hormone is on, which is why we don't need to have sex with someone to have love. In fact, sex part has nothing to do with the bonds that are created. And if you're a mystic, that's where that is really not even the top. It's the last of the list. And, and more than anything, because of the energetic exchange, it's not something that is very, uh, yeah, Somehow, like I've always known personally, but as I moved into having more of my clairs, I understood even more why it's a very, very, um, I'm looking for the word, it's a very private thing, but it's not because of textbook from ancient times, okay? Let me specify this. I will use, when I do Reiki sessions, so there are some people who initially said, no, 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 because, you know, it's really intimate because they have a relationship with their energy sphere. And so they understand what it means when somebody is an energy worker, that they can basically get an intimate view of you because we're clearing out what no longer serves you, but something's going to come up, we're going to get to talk about it. But it's like you being seen by an x-ray, if you will. And so those individuals who have inner knowing will know this is a very important uh, choice, meaning if I ever have a Reiki session, I'm going to have it with someone I trust and that I want to do it because I feel comfortable. And comfortable because my emotional plane and what is shared will be safe. And that's the part about not only safe haven, but also secure base. And so if I'm vulnerable with you and you, me, it's because you care about my sense of But you can only be that type of person if you protect and if you're able to unconditionally love your own self. And if you cannot, then you will not necessarily be able to do the same. And since sex is something objectified, besides love is objectified as well, and there's a lot of people that still want to correlate certain things. We'll get into it some other time. Let's just put that to the side. And as I was trying to say, for those who are mystics, we know, our body knows that we don't want contact with a lot of people because of not only it's something intimate shared, but it's something that is, uh, one, you're going to want someone who keeps you safe, and that means that they care for your emotional well-being. They need to be able to care for their own emotional well-being, and so if they're not securely attached, they will not be in the ability to do this. One, they will also bring to you their experiences and whoever and whatever else they got to. So there's that, and it's not even about what I've heard uh, other people talk about, uh, your creative spark and becoming successful, da-da-da-da-da. I get that part because I understand what they're saying, but I'm sharing with you a whole different aspect of this for my mystics for a minute because it's, it's not 
protection, meaning that there's some energy that can hurt you. Because that 4D uses protect yourself. This is not it. I, I would like to help my 5D mystics understand we're all nervous systems. Furthermore, uh, Stephen Porges, he's the one who actually, there's a, yes, he talks about this thing. So there's a way that the lovely science individuals, they share with us what happens when people have a night together, and that's why you can then have the, not repercussions, but it continues that they linger around. There's a way that the brain reacts and the body, and so there's that to be, here it is. We forget that there is a neurophysiological bonding between people, and that neurophysiological bonding does not mean we like the person. It means that we have difficulty not being with the person. And this one is about working with the pain of abandonment and how to foster post-traumatic growth. Okay, so they, the picture shows two brains that are in a circle. And on that note, I, I don't want to get too much more into this. I just want to close it up by saying there is a way for every person's body to know what is yes territory and no territory. And if you're mystic with Claire's, even before you began to have Claire's active, you will have been more likely a great ace or a asexual person. And in fact, in the polyamory community, you will find that there's many asexual people. And that's because they are in a state of loving many, not only in a mononormative world, but it is because of their ability to be in touch with their mammalian heritage that they can be like, why would I love one? Now, this is those who embody polyamory, the ones who are testing it out out of curiosity. They're finding their identity. And, and in fact, I've seen a couple, they move quickly back into monogamy because they're partners and these are men in this case. I have not yet met women that are polyamorous. I've met men that are or were. And as soon as they met their women, they just didn't even bother presenting, hey, I'm polyamorous. So the difference is they didn't even have the, I'm going to say, guts. And they all had an excuse. It was, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> so you're going to give up something that you identify with, and it's to not hurt another person's feelings. What makes you think you're going to hurt their feelings? Oh, what? Do you think they're competing? So if somebody that I am with is competing with another, that means they have not a secure attachment with who they are. They don't have healthy self-worth. It means they don't know they're not superior and fear. It means they don't recognize their own uniqueness. The minute you're comparing yourself to another is the minute you don't understand that you're not replicable. There is no competition. There's you and there's others, and you will have your own personality, and we will have our own relationship, and nobody can replace you, nor would that. This is why the, again, relationship anarchy and non-hierarchical for a solo poly person particularly, and within the other different polyamory dynamics, it's not the same, because they actually do have a way that they organize, and those are people who want to attach so they have a specific way they see their polyamory, the roles for each other. And that's where I'm looking for my notes for a minute. Um, but I remember how Jessica Fern was explaining the ones who have, for example, they share each other 
with one person shares themselves with two people and the two know about each other and they're friends, right? So there's all these different ways. But in, if you need to list it, to me, it means you're needing organization. Now, of course, if we have a person who does understand this of themselves, meaning they say, look, I have insecurities. So I need to organize something, not in, not in a way that has to give a, I'm the first or the second, because the reality is, if a person wants to put themselves on a pedestal, they need to work more on themselves. At least if you're a functional adult, you're not going to want to deal with that because that's a person who's not ready for polyamory commitment, meaning they can be mono, mono amorous, but they won't be able to be okay with you being polyamorous. So first you get into healthy self-worth with yourself, and then you come back around and you let me know and that's fine, but if you're not a person who can appreciate who you are all by yourself, you're not going to be able to know there's no one who can replace you. Like, th this is a truth right here. There's no person that can replace me. My name is Maria. I have an identical twin, for example. There's no person who can replace you on the other end who's listening here. Not even a little bit. Zero. There's only one of you. And it doesn't matter if we're one. That's the whole point. One big ball of consciousness. We're in we're islands with an ocean. And even if your own oversoul, this is where the twin flame and flames things is, is a bullshit way the 4D goes around talking about it because they're objectifying something, one. Two, they are creating basically that one of the two parts is superior to the other. And that's not the way they want to word it, but basically the minute you tell people there's stages and here there's a chaser and a runner and the one who's running doesn't want to face what are you doing why are you why are you creating why are you creating a story from something that is one personal and two doesn't need words teenagers need labels so that's where people who need labels to define their oversoul they're all teenagers people who know their oversoul we don't label our loved ones and we find it very disrespectful and when people talk about cutting cords we know immediately, a 5D mystic, that that's not going to be okay. Meaning you're doing something that's not actually part of your expansion of consciousness. That's part of your limited consciousness. And in fact, it's something that's hurtful um, because you're breaking a bond. And those bonds are sacred. And not in a way of there being something that's going to come beat you with a stick. No, the energy is sacred because it's love and that's actually when you look at secure attachment and the ability to get to your zero one-year-old and to know I can safely attach but I can also as a grown-up safely attach to myself I don't need to safely attach to another the wisdom of the body is always love when you have a whole three-year-old heart you don't lose trust because someone can't be there but I for example was held with a third of attunement and repairing ruptures so I know that sense of safety in my human being body and then my human being brain and therefore I can bring to you conversations on polyamory and when in the most vulnerable of moments I've never felt ashamed of being myself just sensitive but that's not sensitive to a person who has emotions it's part of life being a human so again, we don't have post-traumatic growth for those of us who have a good relationship with emotions because there's life 
I'm breathing. <laughs> don't you get it? Like the, the part that I, I always say is like, I'm living. I don't give a shit about crying. Crying is actually me processing something. Does not, nobody know, you know, that emotions are part of releasing. <laughs> so it's more of like, hello, where, where do you live? Where have you lived for all this, this time? And we're not living in the ancient times. We're in the present moment. We've talked about, they've always talked to us about emotions. Okay, and that's where I wanted to transition for a minute to something else before letting you go. So when we meet people, though, who are not securely attached within their self, we can have direct communication. So we can understand how to say, you know, there is no uh, choosing in the sense of you've been put to the side or you're not better. No, there, there's this, there's you, there's me, and there's others, but there's no comparison because you are unique the way you are. In time, you will see this because I, in time, will prove it, but not because I have to prove it. It's in a way of I am a consistent, contingent communication. When you have secure attachment in time, we always show who we are and what we're willing to do. And it's not because of a duty, though. The people who are codependent types, they have a way that they're doing a duty. I have to do this, I have to soothe the household, and, and it's in their safety behavior mode. And again, uh, these are ways for you to have the opportunity, for any of you who are polyamory, to have conversations, not accusations. When a person doesn't have, though, their own self-worth in the forefront, you can speak to them. There's no competition. You cannot be replaced. Time will allow me to show you this if you allow us to do this in time. So if you allow us to build with transparency, and that means authenticity, it means conversations, you can see this safe haven, secure-based relationship in the absence of it having a title. And on that note, like I said, some people will be able to say yes because a person who is completely securely attached is presenting it to them with all of the emotional stuff that's involved. I care, you know, of course it's uh, sensitive, it's understandable, but there's, again, a willingness to try because one believes in the relationship. But if you don't believe in yourself, that's the minute that you won't actually think that you're able to get through it, I guess. I mean, I don't know, because again, I don't know people that don't have the available awareness of who they are. I've met people that know who they are, they know how to present who they are, and so they always, all, uh, already knew how to share and talk about their stuff. When we have individuals who unconsciously hold trust breaks, that's not for us to say anything about, but also it will happen and unravel in the relationship. So that this is <clears throat> when you have splinters or misalignment is what I call them, but you can always realign as people who do direct communication, the ability to say, hey, what's up? Are you, are you upset? What's going on? Is this, is this uh, and to talk, okay? If a person talks, then you're on the same page. If a person, let's say they don't talk, that's their choice. So if they don't talk, it means there's no trust. That means they don't trust the relationship. So they are not wanting or feeling secure, which is why there's no sides when it comes to our oversoul. And what I mean is that we all have a reason. Our body protects us and leads us to what makes our mind feel safe. 
The unfortunate part is people who have safety trauma behaviors and they don't know about their own insecurities, they're not consciously choosing because they're reacting with fear. And they're not taking a step back to contemplate and have a conversation. If a person, though, becomes aware and then chooses to open their heart and have a conversation, <clears throat> that's something different. And right now I'm trying to contemplate about how to express this one because what I've noticed is that thanks to the updated trauma therapist, attachment therapist, all the people sharing information online, for sure there are more people who are aware of themselves. But awareness is not the only aspect. What you're also looking to notice is if a person's sharing with you, here's who I am, here's why I behave this way, and here's how I want to work it out with you. And that's something very possible. So as long as people are open to presenting not saying you have to treat me this way because I am this attachment style. No, that's not how a person's moving to their secure attachment. It's I'm a person who has insecurities. <clears throat> I want to work on them. I can tell that, you know, you are somebody that I enjoy. Let's talk. Let's be transparent. Let's be authentic. Time will share and show. Da, da, da. And it's as straightforward as it gets, even in the most vulnerable moments. So for me, without being completely aware of how to explain things <clears throat> from mystic plane, I've always easily uh, made choices, but that's, again, because I don't have a self that was ever lost. My name is Maria, and I've always been myself. With the whole three-year-old heart, you don't change who you are. You consistently expand to become the mature version of who you are, and that's the same for those who did go and are still potentially on a healing journey from their own childhood trauma. They will know their story, and the beautiful part Besides, yes, we have a mononormative world. So that one is definitely a bit of a, <laughs> it's not a pain in the ass, actually. So here, let's close out. I find it humorous. The last time I was actually presented the opportunity to talk about polyamory, the person didn't really understand what it is. <laughs> and my friend was near me and my other girlfriend too. And my girlfriend was like, no, no, she's, she's not jealous. She's not a person who has jealousy. Because see, this is where jealousy would mean that I'm insecure, that I'm basically not in compersion. So I, I have low self-esteem if I'm jealous. Some people have a different interpretation. That's theirs. For a person who knows what it means to want your partner or partners to be happy, you're not going to be jealous. And in fact, I actually have never felt jealousy, not even envy. Frustration, yes. Jealousy, not even though never say never because someone could interpret something and say, no, no, here's where you're jealous. So let's leave that one out there. But um, when it comes to my partners, no, <laughs> I'm always like, uh, okay, what do we want to talk about? Even the, to see the teenage boyfriend, he, he cheated on me. I still stayed with him, not because I didn't know what was going on. No, I knew what was going on. I knew where we weren't, you know, giving each other certain things. And for me, it was we were growing up. And when I look to the past, I'm happy about all the years and I'm happy of where I'm at now. So long story short, in this conversation, as they were just trying to present, well, what if, you know, the person you're with is looking at somebody else? And I'm like, well, I'm polyamorous. So technically, they might be choosing another partner with me while I'm there and, and we'll have a chit chat about it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the, the woman totally did not get it. My, my male friend, he, he just said, oh, please, so you're not indifferent. I said, nobody's indifferent, but I don't really 
care. I mean, in the sense of I wouldn't get pissed. I wouldn't get jealous. I wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, he's looking at another woman. How dare he look at another woman? No, I will tease it actually. So what you become as you grow up from your inner world, people, you become playful. In fact, I shared with a friend of mine a couple of thoughts and concerns. And, and, and when I said to them, because they said so how do you feel about it, or what, what have you learned, something like that. I said, I'm even more open and spontaneous than ever. <laughs> I don't give a shit. And my friend was like, oh, okay, so, well, that's good. Optimo, optimistic cynicism or something like that. I'm like, well, I, I wouldn't call it cynicism, but I guess we could say positive cynicism. Okay, fine. <laughs> that's how you want to look at it. All people have a way they see life. So remember that whenever a person uses words, words that represent how they understand love. And us, we understand love and relationships with unconditional love. So all of those that are relationships are always expansion. And those who do not accept that some of us choose equanimity and we choose to explore life with the words that are of proactiveness. That is not for us to uh, have to do anything about. And you learn, in fact, I learn how to leave alone when people correct my words and they give me their own projection of my story. Because if you're going to share it, you're going to share it. They're not going to, if a person is still working through their own hurts, they don't know it unless they do. So when I meet people who are conscious, that's when I get to have grown-up conversations. And those are nice. It's because people who hear you, they actually, um, they feel what you say. And here's where, when you have an oversoul and you have special bonds and there are those who are open and receptive and they hear what you say, all you do is look in the eyes of each other and, and the part about being heard, it's where... If you're being heard in time, then you're building something and your felt sense of self will consistently expand together. So people who are able to trust, it's because they choose to give each other a chance and they also choose to allow time to speak for itself and that's why you can always work it out. Grown-ups always keep an open heart, but that's because they choose to take a risk and that's called I risk being in love with a person and intimate with a person, even though that doesn't mean they will want my emotional, mental, or physical, quote-unquote, obviously, if there's ever any type of physical danger you want to leave, call your police number people, but I'm saying it's always a risk relationships. Obviously, there are red flags, but I know that not all people can tell red flags, but again, um, we have systems in place. And what I'm trying to say is grown-ups take a risk. The Individuals who are in an enlightenment soul age group, they take risks. Functional adults take risks. Relationships are risks, not physical dangerous. No, it's basically I'm going to trust that I'm going to grow something with someone. And here's the other thing, though. If you're not securely attached yet, this is one of the reasons why you want to wait and do at least some good EMDR, child parts, and somatics work with a good therapist. Because that way you can lead yourself back home to your wholeness and become your adult self, or you can just lead yourself, if, you're, if you've stayed home, you can lead yourself to being your adult self, and that means you learn how to say no or yes in your ventral vagal tone because you're on a journey of knowing how you have that right 
teenagers are teenagers. I'm talking to adults right now, okay? Teenagers have the good psych educators coming in to try and teach them, as we do the society, trying to talk about what it means to say yes and what it means to say no. I don't see teenagers yet knowing all this. I don't know if we'll ever get to that perfect sweet spot, but in the meantime, the adults can lead by example. And leading by example equals not shaming, blaming, faulting, or revenging. No, those are all adaptive children, ancient silverback modalities. When a person can talk about different lifestyles and different family dynamics and not be offended and not get charged towards the ancient silverback people, but to be able and just converse, you're setting an example for the children, the teenagers. When somebody talks about no means no, but we still have toxic patriarchy, so we want to keep on sharing the examples, we keep on moving forward. We don't want to create stereotypes and generalizations. They already exist. Those keep people in safety, trauma, behavior responses because you're always equating the same story. What you want to do is set the energy, set the tone. So when it comes to polyamory and anything related to being a solo poly or a secure attachment, poly secure person, or in general, a community of functional adults, 5D mystics, enlightenment, it's always a conversation and even if people don't know what this is, we don't need to get into anybody's face because we can learn to tease about it, be fun about it, and accept when people don't understand it. And the reality is for people who want to make it work again, they always have it work out because they're able to have conversations and in the most transparent and authentic way, and they are beautiful. So we'll be back with more. Have a great one.